Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Peaceful Homebirth. I am so excited to have my friend Julia here today, and we are going to be talking about a sensitive subject, so just a trigger warning to everybody out there listening. We will be talking about pregnancy loss and miscarriage, so if you're currently pregnant and uh you're struggling with some anxiety or just maybe wanting to protect your space, this might not be the episode to listen to. Although this is information that I I hope that more and more people have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that they're able to think about this uh, before it becomes an issue, before it's something that in the thick of things they need to be thinking through. So um, miscarriage is just not talked about enough in the natural birth world. And I think once it happens, we pathologize it, medicalize it. And it's like, well, we've already entered the medical system. So we're going to abdicate all of that. And so anyways, we we have a conversation (laughs) to be had here. And I'm thankful that my friend Julia could come in. We had talked about this a couple of months ago, and this topic has just been nagging me. Um, It's not something that I'm particularly excited to talk about. Um, This is a sensitive subject. It is a sad subject. And I was just talking to Julia before that I probably still have some trauma like to debrief um, about my own miscarriage. And so we're just going to be having a candid conversation. And if you're emotionally ready for it, I hope that you will come along. Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you've found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose, and I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Julia, would you just introduce yourself to my audience? Yes, absolutely, Allie. I hi, my name is Julia Elliott. Um, I have two children. Allie was my doula for our first, our son. He just turned four, and then Athena, our daughter, will be two on Wednesday. So that'll be Valentine's Day, but that'll be after the fact by the time this episode airs. Um, so yeah, I've had the pleasure of knowing Allie for several years and it was just something that we got talking about at church one day, uh, shortly after I had experienced my miscarriage with our third. And so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of how that came about. (laughs) I know. And I was glad you brought it up because I think 
um, most women are suffering in silence. Yes. And if this happens, they don't know who to talk to, where to turn. And so they just go to their doctor mm-hmm. and they get submitted into this system that really hasn't helped women and it doesn't help you holistically. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I hope that more women have access to is there's an alternative way to go through this time. And so I hope that we give you a well-rounded approach to miscarriage, um, one with both options, because I do think that both do come in Mm -hmm. to play at some point. And I don't want to be the the natural birth junkie that says, you know, you cannot access medical care at all. Otherwise, you're not a true, like, crunchy person. (laughs) So I definitely don't want to do that. But do you have anything to say about that? Uh, No, I mean, I just totally agree. I think that there's a balance to both, I think. But I do think that it is very saturated with a very medicalized um, idea of miscarriage. And you don't really know where to go until you start experiencing it. And then, like, there's so little information um, that it's hard to, like, know what to do or what the right thing is for you to do in that situation or even what to expect when it comes down to all the things that transpire during a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can be hard to navigate. And then when you're doing it alone, it's just Mm -hmm. hard. So I hope that this is a conversation. It's not supposed to be taken as medical advice, but a conversation between people who have experienced miscarriage and hope that we can pass along information from one woman to another, Mm -hmm. that if you're experiencing this too, maybe these are things to be thinking about. So first off, what is a miscarriage? Let's talk about the definition because I think it surprises me, but there's plenty of women out there who don't really know how to define this. So Mm -hmm. this is defined as a sudden loss of pregnancy before 20 weeks. So after 20 weeks, it is considered a stillbirth. And 10 to 20% or one in four Um, pregnancies end on their own throughout the whole pregnancy. Most of those miscarriages are happening in the first trimester, Mm -hmm. but there are second trimester um, miscarriages as well that are happening. So some things to look for when you're having a miscarriage or to be suspicious of is bleeding, especially with clots. So 50% of women bleed at some point during their Mm -hmm. pregnancy. And so if you're bleeding, 50% of of women who bleed go on to have a miscarriage so some bleeding especially in that first trimester can be very normal for a myriad of reasons um but with the clotting that is where the concern of a miscarriage for sure um should be suspected so bleeding with clots cramping extreme cramping and we'll get talking about more more about the cramping part of it um a gush of liquid Rapid disappearance of pregnancy symptoms. So you're nauseous one day and the next you're you have no symptoms of being pregnant. Um, and if this happens towards the end of your first trimester, a lot of women just chalk it up to I'm feeling better. And that's where missed miscarriages come in. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that later as well. So um, it really is like a labor like experience. And what I want to do here, just kind of open up a storytelling time. So would you, I guess, just share like how you found out you were pregnant and what the process was like of finding out that you miscarried Yeah, and then your process of miscarrying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We found out we were pregnant in October and we had been trying for our third. Um, So I found out while we were on a family vacation to Colorado, we were super excited. Awesome. Um, One of my symptoms that made me test was we had gone on like a seven mile hike the day before and my hips were pretty sore, which I'm a pretty active person. I work out a lot and that's normally not like something that gets sore for me. Um, So I was like, okay, well, that's different. So took a test. It was positive. Super, super excited. Um, told family pretty early on and friends, because that's just how we've always done it. We had always said, even with Adler, like 
we would rather tell people earlier and have more people around us supporting us if a miscarriage was ever something we had to walk through than be telling people like, hey, could you please pray for us because we're experiencing a loss. Um, so yeah, so between like eight and seven to eight weeks, and I'm not somebody who like gets sick. I don't really have a ton of pregnancy symptoms um, other than just being tired. And so, but between like seven and eight weeks, I, this pregnancy, I had felt like very anxious about miscarriage. It was a really big fear this time around. Um, I mean, I feel like in some aspects, it's always kind of in the back of your head as somebody who's ex expecting, but it was like very much so in the forefront of my head this time around. And um, like, I remember around the eight week mark, I took like three pregnancy tests in one day because I convinced myself I wasn't pregnant because of how good I was feeling. Um, but they were still positive. And so I was like, okay, well, apparently I'm just being psycho and like, everything's fine. Um, I wasn't due. We were planning, I had had a home birth with our second. So we were planning another home birth with this one. Um, we weren't going to have my first prenatal till around the 12 week mark, which would put us like just after Thanksgiving. Um, so the Monday before Thanksgiving, I felt fine, normal all day, um, went to the bathroom that evening and wiped and there was blood. Um, but it was like brown and you know, like they were like, it was just weird to me because I hadn't bled at all in my pregnancy yet. Um, and they typically say like brown blood is older blood. So then I was like confused because I hadn't had any spotting earlier at any point. Um, so immediately like texted a picture to my midwife. She asked if I had had cramping at all. I had had a little bit off and on, but I had just chalked it up to like implantation. And this would have been, you know, like the week prior, you know, having some, but it wasn't anything extreme. And I was also breastfeeding. And so I didn't know if like that was contributing to it at all. So I hadn't paid it that much mind. So, um, you know, at that point, my midwife was like, well, pay attention, rest. Like it could be a myriad of things you could have, you know, it could. And then, then at that point, she kind of explained like, you know, 50% of pregnant women bleed and out of that in their first trimester and out of that, you know, half of them experience loss. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was kind of just like a waiting game at that point and scene. Um, so then Tuesday still, you know, had bleeding about halfway through the day on Tuesday, the color changed though. And I did feel like I was starting to have more clots and I remember texting my sister-in-law and being like, barring a miracle at this point, like, I think I'm losing this pregnancy. Um, so I think that was kind of like a little bit of me starting to come to terms with it and like allowing myself emotionally to like start to grieve it because I was like holding on to hope, but it was also getting to the point of like 24 hours into this of like being exhausted with the roller coaster of like, I might be losing the baby, maybe, oh, it might be fine. Like, you know, and so, um, then, uh, Tuesday night, we decided that I was going to call our family practice doctor first thing Wednesday morning and try and get in because at that point, my midwife was pretty confident it was a miscarriage and, um, she just wanted me to be seen by somebody because of us going into Thanksgiving weekend and people not being in the office, if I would need, you know, medication for um, hemorrhage or anything like that, it would have at least been seen already. And at that point, I was pretty okay with like going in and trying to get whatever was going on confirmed because I was like exhausted emotionally with it all. So I called them first thing in the morning. They got me in right away. And so at this point, I would have been the Sunday before I started bleeding, I was supposed to be 10 weeks. Um, and so I went in and he was like, well, he's, he, I mean, he's an amazing, I love our family practice doctor. He's amazing. And he was like, well, we're not going to assume it's miscarriage. You know, I had showed him different pictures of blood that I had taken and he's like, well, that doesn't tell me, you know, for sure it's a miscarriage. 
Um, so we decided to go ahead and do an ultrasound. And as soon as he put the ultrasound probe on me, I knew, like, as soon as I saw the sack, I knew I've had two babies. I had multiple ultrasounds with our first. I had one with Athena. Like, I knew it wasn't a 10-week old baby or a sack. You know, it was smaller than what you would expect to see for 10 weeks old. Um, So... At that point, and then at that point, he talked through, like, so in my head, it was solidified, you know, that I was, in fact, experiencing miscarriage. Um, And our family practice doctor had brought up, like, well, are you sure you have your dates right? Like, you could be four or, like, six or seven weeks along and not 10. And, but then when I told him I had gotten a positive pregnancy test at the beginning of October, he was like, oh, yeah, you don't have your dates wrong. Um, So... Then at that point, he also was of the same opinion that it was a miscarriage and like he was amazing and held my hand. And um, so then he and then he also said that it looked like I had probably lost the baby between six and seven weeks. And my body, like for some women, which Allie talked a little bit about this, but it being a miss miscarriage. Essentially, my body didn't recognize that I had lost the baby until my placenta went to attach is most likely what happened. And then when there was no life to support, it realized that I had lost the baby and started the whole miscarriage process. So I had probably lost the baby three to four weeks earlier. We don't know exactly. But basically around the time that I was convincing myself I wasn't pregnant was probably around the time that I had lost it or I'd lost it shortly before. Um, so he talked, he asked if I wanted to do a DNC. I said, no, um, I'd rather not since it already appeared like my body was starting the process all on its own, which he um, is very pro-life. And so he doesn't even like to have, do DNCs if it doesn't need to be done because he's way more in favor of your ba- body naturally doing it, which I'm super grateful for because I felt very supported and um, like, I guess, validated in the decision that I wanted to take, you know, moving forward through the miscarriage. Um, So that was Wednesday morning. And then Thursday, so Thanksgiving day is when I actually experienced um, the miscarriage. I don't know if you have anything you want to add at this point. Yeah, no, no, I keep going. Okay. So Thursday was Thanksgiving day and I had had quite a bit of bleeding on Wednesday and cramping and Thursday I actually physically felt pretty good. Um, We were set to go to my in-laws for Thanksgiving and I still wanted to like go. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I love the food and so I was like well I still want to just go and if I emotionally at any point need to leave or can't handle it like we'll just leave. Um. So we got up, got ready, went to my in-law's house. About the time we started eating lunch, it was about 1230, um, I started cramping really bad and like having cramping that came in like, like flows, like it peak, I'd be cramping really bad, it'd peak, then it'd kind of die off and then it'd do that again. And so then at that point, I knew I was actually like fully miscarrying um and so like the next really two and a half I think it was about two and a half hours um was me just kind of like going in and out between like being around people being in the bathroom um I know a lot of people would probably think I'm crazy (laughs) for even like going to my in-laws but in some aspects it was a really huge blessing because like Peter, my husband was able to be with me throughout the process. It, you know, I didn't, wasn't thinking about the kids because they had cousins they were playing with and other people who were watching them and taking care of them. And had we been at home, like he would have been dealing with the kids and trying to keep them, you know, out of the bathroom or the bedroom and whatever. And, um, like we wouldn't have been able to have that time together because around, I think it was probably around two it got really bad and he wasn't in the bathroom with me at the time 
And I texted him and I was like, can you please come in here? So he came in there and like, I was just really fighting it. Like, mm. you know, you're emotionally like frustrated. And I was really fighting the whole process. And he came in there and was like, you know, what, what do I need to do? And he was like, is this like labor? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, you know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so he just started like coaching me through breathing and mm -hmm. like, you know, he's like, you know how to do labor. You've done it twice naturally. Like, and at that point it kind of hit me of like, oh yeah, that's, that's mm -hmm. that is what this is. You know, like I hadn't even processed through it up to that point of it being like yep my body's got to go through the same process yes it's on a smaller scale but it's the exact same thing mm -hmm. and so at that point you know he kind of him saying that you know just got me in a different headspace and like helped me relax and work through the cramping you know mm -hmm. slash contractions how I knew mm -hmm. to work through them and I mean within like 30 minutes of when he came in was when I fully passed everything and it was like you know the same as labor in the sense of like once I had fully passed everything the cramping was pretty much gone mm -hmm. the bleeding let up you know a lot I you know didn't have any more clots at that point really I did a little bit later on that evening, but it was crazy to me how, because that was something that I, that was one of the things that like, I had no clue what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I had no clue that it would be like, it would feel so much like labor mm -hmm. and like, it would be the same thing essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that is kind of my experience with how the miscarriage started. So that was another thing, you know, that I didn't know. Like, I started bleeding Monday night and didn't fully miscarriage till Thursday. Like, I didn't know it could take, like, four days when you're naturally miscarrying, you know? Because mm -hmm. um, these are just things that, like, aren't talked about. Yeah. One of my sponsors today has an amazing promo going on that I have to tell you about. You know me, I love all things natural. And makeup has been one of the hardest things to find until Raza Beauty came into my life. Not only do I get amazing coverage, but my skin has never looked better. Goodbye hormonal, cystic acne, and hello smooth and glowing skin. I just recently started using their beauty oil every night and my skin hasn't looked this good ever. So until the 17th, when you spend $125, you will get a free lip color. I love this lip color so much because you can use it on your lips as well as blush. So click the link in the show notes and use the code LIPS, L-I-P-S, at checkout. Most women, when they have a miscarriage, they're going into their doctor. Yeah. And so I guess that we can segue into that a little bit is there's a difference between what you did, yeah. which is expectant management, and then what the majority of the people, um, women out there who get diagnosed with miscarriage, they are, you know, sent to their OB and their OB either gives them methotrexate, which is a medicine that um, causes labor to happen and, and, or go straight into a DNC. Yeah. So there's kind of like three different options, um, that you can choose. And most women, and I don't fault anybody for doing this, no. but they, you know, it emotionally, you see like, you're not viable anymore. Mm -hmm. This baby is not viable. And so most women are like, let's just get it over with, yeah. you know? But I do think there is something, and I, I'm not quite sure how to verbalize it at the moment, but there is something about um, naturally going through the labor process that is actually more healing than just getting your baby scraped out of your uterus and you don't see it yeah. anymore. Like, that to me is so, that would be harder to process yeah. than going through the process of waiting, you know, grieving it. And then naturally releasing it. And 
I mean, your, your body is getting similar hormones, yeah. like during the process, yep. like you're, you literally are going through this labor. So after everything had passed, was there a moment of like, what was that moment? I guess, postpartum of like, okay, it's done now. What? Like, how did you go through that? It was, it was kind of like, I don't know. It's hard to explain in some aspects. Like, I'm super glad that my husband was able to be in there, like, when I passed it. Because um, for him, I think, too, it also helped him, like, realize, like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. this happened. And, like, understand for him. Because I also feel like guys are so disconnected from the pregnancy, mm-hmm. really, until you start showing that I think had he not even been able to be in there, like, but I mean, we just, we took a moment and we cried together mm-hmm. and, you know, I know I had told my sister at one point, like, I wish I knew I was going to pass like the big clot when I did, because I maybe would have tried to like catch it so mm-hmm. that I could have had something to like bury or memorialize in a sense. Um, But like we just cried and we prayed and then I took a little bit longer in the bathroom after that. And, um, like, I, I feel like once you fully miscarriage, that starts the whole, like, it kind of like unravels the whole like grieving process, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's what, like, you start in some aspects, you start it when you find out the pregnancy is terminated, but I feel like there's still a part of you that's like, maybe I'm going to be that one person who, you know, doesn't, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'll go back into the doctor in four weeks or whatever, and I'll have an ultrasound and there's going to be a baby in there, you know, kind of a situation. Um, But I feel like when you, once you fully miscarriage, it kind of starts the process of like grieving and like Mm -hmm. grieving all the things that, that you wanted for that child and all the things that that child was going to be. Because I know for me, like I have I had a friend, a sister, and a sister-in-law who all our due dates were within a month of each other. And so, like, you know, there was also supposed to be, like, our kids are going to grow up, you know. My my sister's due date was, like, 11 days before mine with this baby. And so, like, those those two were supposed to grow up and be close and, like, all the things that you have hoped for for cousins and then my friend who's pregnant and you know it's it's a process that starts that I really you know there's no end date to like and sometimes that's hard because you feel like you should get to a point where I'm over it's fine like you know why am I still sad about this baby but ultimately like as a mother you are always going to think about that child and you're always going to be sad about that child and you're always going to wonder what that baby could have been regardless of the circumstances and all the things as to like why the pregnancy ended it's it's a constant thing that you may think about it you know less but it's still gonna be you know for me still walking through that process like well what's it yeah tomorrow was supposed to be my 20 week ultrasound I would have been 22 weeks um with that baby and we would have been having our 20 week ultrasound so just like even things like that where you know I canceled the appointment right away for it but I still know the date and you know I know my due date's gonna roll around and like I'm I'm gonna remember that regardless of what's going on or what's happening Mm -hmm. like um but it's a it's a weird process honestly yeah and any how anybody grieves through that like is their right. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to look so different for each person mm-hmm. and how I grieve through it is going to look different than uh, how other women grieve through it. And like the way that they process it is so valid for them and they should not be told differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, such good, good points. And I think that this just goes back to like normalizing. Yeah. Yeah. W- I mean, I think there w- there's been a huge increase in miscarriage yeah. rates in the past four years, which that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but 
more and more women are suffering through this yep. and it's not being discussed and it's not being discussed in like a biblical way mm-hmm. as well. You know, like how are we as Christians supposed to grieve through miscarriage differently? Yeah. Like what does that look like? And we'll get to more of like how to take care of your body spiritually, emotionally, and physically. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about that question of why, right? Mm-hmm. So as women, we want to know why, like, was this our fault? Right. Was it like, was it something I did? I mean, I think that that is the most common question that anybody who has gone through miscarriage is asking themselves, like, why did this happen? And most of the time from the research that I have done on this, most of the time, a first trimester pregnancy loss is caused by a chromosomal mm-hmm. issue in the baby, which oddly enough, it it gives me some solace of like, okay, well, this baby would have had a much tougher life yes. like outside of the womb. And now, you know, as being a believer, we can trust that this baby is in the arms of Jesus, like dancing and, you know, like yes. you can let your mind go to a much better place having somebody, you know, having those thoughts. But um, another thing that can happen, and this is very, very common, is a blighted ovum, which I think sometimes is um, maybe minimized a little bit where people are like, well, you weren't really pregnant. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, well, if you believe that in life beginning at conception (laughs) then you will believe that this is life because uh a sperm and an egg met and there was fertilization and that fertilization did not fully create like a baby but there was dna passed in between the two and then it didn't form Mm -hmm. and so this is a very common reason of of miscarriage or this is a very common process that happens um that leads to miscarriage so some holistic like if you want to approach this holistically thinking about what is the main reason what is the cause I mean you could go down that rabbit hole forever and honestly I don't think all the time it is very fruitful I I think sometimes you just need to accept what happened as this is what it is Mm -hmm. and when it becomes a chronic issue um of you know repeated loss then that might be more of a time to dive in you think yeah I I agree with that and I think that when you're going through the grieving process to go down the rabbit hole of like what happened or what could have happened is not necessarily a healthy place Mm -hmm. as far as like grieving through it because as humans, we want answers, right? Like we want to know why, but ultimately like, you know, for whatever reason, God wanted my baby in heaven, you know, and I only got to carry it for 10 weeks, Mm -hmm. but like, I'm grateful that I got to carry it for that amount of time. And I guess for me, I never fully felt like I blamed myself, um, which I'm very grateful for that because I'm sure there are a lot of women out there who had to go through the whole process of like blaming themselves. And as mothers, we put so much blame on ourselves for so many things that we really have no control over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we put that on ourselves. But I mean, because my our family practice doctor had gone into talking about like how a lot of times um, the time frame that it appears like I lost the baby in or that there would have been no heartbeat at that point anymore, that that would be contributed to like a chromosomal mm-hmm. disorder. And my body knew or baby knew that like it wasn't going to be able to survive, even if I did carry it longer, like it wouldn't have survived after birth. And so then the miscarriage occurred, which I do agree, like in some aspects, it brings like some comfort and like. I think the daily heartbreak of like watching what that child would have potentially had to go through would have been harder in some aspects than, you know, experiencing the miscarriage was like, there's such a, like, it's such a fine balance point, right? Because you can go through all these what if scenarios 
And I know for myself, like, I would have loved that child regardless. Mm -hmm. But also from a like a Christian perspective and a biblical standpoint, like, what if God was saving me or saving our family from the daily heartbreak of, you know, like a child having to constantly be on a feeding tube or like just it, watching a child grow up um, as, you know, more disabled and like all of those things or losing the child right after birth, like, you know, carrying it and delivering it and it not being able to live outside of the womb. Like, you know, from a biblical perspective, it's like, what if that was God giving us grace you know, in some aspects and it's, it's so hard either way, yeah. you know? Yeah, it really is. And it's, I, I hope that people hear our hearts. Like, obviously we're very pro-life. Yes. Like both of us, yes. you know, love um and respect life. And so when the Lord is in charge of mm-hmm. the timing of, um, of, our lives and the days of our lives like we can rest in that but we would never take that into our own hands based on you know a chromosomal issue I think that yes that needs to just be stated like the the Lord is in in charge of uh the moment life starts and the moment life ends and so that is something I don't know my voice is cracking (laughs) That is something that, um, you know, we could dive into for sure a lot more, but (laughs) there, there's so much to be said on that. Yeah. Um, as we're looking at possible causes of miscarriage, again, if this is, you know, if you're listening to this and you've had one, or maybe you've had a couple and you're looking for answers, some places I would start researching. I am not the end all be all authority on this. But I think it's really powerful to have a starting point. For so many people, they're like, I don't even know why this is happening. I don't even know where to start. So some things to start researching. Um, are Do you have the MTFHR gene? I think that this is starting to become more and more yeah. known and more and more recognized even in the medical world. But um, the, the MTFHR gene uh, can cause problems with detoxing heavy metals. And there's so much that goes into that. But you can get a test that shows whether or not you have um, one or two mutations of that. Now, a note on genetics. I am a firm believer in, that your genetics do not fully define you. And so I actually have both mutations of the MTFHR gene and I have had one miscarriage. Yeah. So I did not, I I would not let this be the reason why you're just okay with having miscarriages. There's so much you can do with your environment, your food, your emotions, all of that. Like we're a multifaceted human being. And so, um, I, I never want genetics to be an end all be all answer. So you can start there, but know that you have more control over your genetics than we've been told. Um, Another thing to check, how is your thyroid functioning? Um, And not just in a medical, um, medical, I guess, system of is it okay or not. Um, Most of the time when physicians are testing your thyroid they have a very set standard of like this is normal but they don't look at it functionally so I would highly encourage you find a functional medicine provider who can do more in-depth thyroid testing do you have any autoimmune markers what does your mineral balance look like hormonal balance do you suffer with PCOS is there um yeah, a, a, an imbalance going on. Another thing is a factor five gene. So this can cause abnormal clotting factors, which does increase your risk of miscarriage. Again, that goes back to genetics and um, just knowing that your environment really does contribute to um, how your body works with your genes and yeah. you can turn on and off genes. So that's epigenetics. And that's a whole other thing I would love to dive into more in this podcast. 
Now, I had mentioned earlier, there's a difference between active management and expected management. And we hear this a lot during um, labor, right? There's two ways to approach labor, um, one active and the other expectant. And home birth, most of the time we are doing expective management. So that's a wait and see approach. That's a intervene if there's a need approach that... Um, is we practice a lot of patience during that approach, which is why I wanted you to come on the show too, because you don't hear a lot of women doing the expected management approach. And also kudos to your provider as well, who Mm -hmm. was very much taking that approach um, of the wait and see as well. So uh, with the active management, that is where you are administering um, medication or you are doing a DNC, a surgical procedure. All procedures do have risks. So I just want you to be well informed about what those risks are in case you do decide to go on and have a DNC. Again, this same thing with labor, informed consent mm-hmm. is everything, right? So I, if if you were ever in this situation, right, if if anybody I know and love is in this situation and they're trying to decide whether or not to go and have, like, go this surgical route, I would want them to know um, and also have a provider who's willing to sit down with them and have a very candid conversation about what the risks are mm-hmm. associated with this. Um, too often, this is just a procedure that is, like, flippantly administered like oh you have an eight-week miscarriage let's just do a dnc and get it over with for you that literally has been said to people Mm -hmm. and that i'm it 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 boils or i also (laughs) think about like if i had had an early ultrasound yeah say i had had an early ultrasound between seven and eight weeks and i still was of the opinion that i wanted to wait and see it would have been like really hard. And I know that there are a lot of women out there who have probably had early ultrasounds. There's no heartbeat. You know, they maybe go home and wait for a couple days and, you know, their body still hasn't started the miscarriage process. So then they go back in and they start, you know, with either the medication or a DNC. And then I think that maybe those women can feel like, well, my body couldn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like my my body wasn't able to process, process it. But like for me, if I had had an early miscarriage, I probably would have fallen into that mm-hmm. or could have fallen into that. And like Ali said, you know, as long as you're the one making the decisions and not feeling like you're making a decision that you don't want to be happening, but it would, I would have been waiting for three to four weeks mm-hmm. before my body started miscarrying or at least, yeah, like three weeks if I'd gone in between seven and eight um, for my body to miscarry. And so like, that is something I'm also incredibly grateful for because I know that I would have been of the same opinion of wanting my body to do it naturally and on its own. But like that period of waiting would have been agonizing yeah you know yeah and it I mean it is hard but I think it's interesting too because early ultrasounds are so normalized right Mm -hmm. everybody's getting an early ultrasound now um just in case (laughs) but let's say you did get an early ultrasound and then you waited three weeks you know they would have been saying like we need to get this going for you because the risk of infection yes and you look back and you're like, but I went three weeks. Yeah. And there was no infection. Yeah. And I think the infection card has been way overplayed yeah. when it comes to miscarriage. And how many women, like, how many women are being kind of forced into procedures, not out of informed consent over what this procedure is or even what the medication is, mm-hmm. but forced into it because of a fear of, of infection yeah um i i don't know it, it's a tricky thing and uh, it really does it comes back to informed consent and everybody is going to be different but some it so a dnc is a most common procedure and this is 
called dilation and curatage. Um, so that is when the cervix is dilated and a, again, this is very graphic, so I'm so sorry. Um, you can fast forward this. Um, but there is a curette that goes in and scrapes out the inside of your uterus, which includes all of the pregnancy. And so that um, cleans out the uterus. But what can happen is this um, circle covered or circle shaped knife can cause perforation. It can cause cervical damage from the tools holding open the cervix. It can cause hemorrhage and that can cause infection as well. So no procedure goes without risk. And this has to be talked about more often. And I don't think it is. I mm -hmm. think women are are rushed and forced into it thinking it's not a big deal. Um, methotrexate is the medication that is given most often. And this carries a risk of, of having liver problems. Um, you can have inflammation in lungs. Um, the overall feeling of just being sick. It can cause hair loss, mouth sores, nausea, sensitivity to light. Um, again, <laughs> when... I don't believe that true informed consent is being had. Um, yes. Women are just being given a pill and um, being told good luck. Mm -hmm. um, and this, it, there's so much to go in into this alone. But um, yeah, women are not being given the full truth. So once you have the full truth, that's when true informed consent happens. Um, the more natural or the expectant approach uh, that is considered waiting seven to 10 days from the time you've been diagnosed with a miscarriage. So this really boils down to if mom is okay, yep. we keep waiting. Mm -hmm. And so looking back over that last, you know, three weeks, um, you were okay. So yeah. you kept going. Even from the time you were diagnosed, to the time the miscarriage happened. That wasn't a full week, was No, it? that was only like another 24 hours from yeah. when I was, because that was Wednesday morning that I was diagnosed. And then Thursday afternoon is when I would have fully miscarried. Right. So during that whole process, asking yourself, am I okay? Mm -hmm. Like right now, am I okay? Yeah. I always have the option of going into the ER yeah. and they can do whatever they need to do to, you know, help me in that situation. But um, I think we're not used to asking ourselves, like, are we okay? Yeah. In this moment, do I need anything? So, of course, there's those emotional considerations that we need to be thinking of. It would be extremely, extremely hard to be pregnant, know you are, and then have to wait for the process yes. to be complete. Yes. So, that is an, a, a consideration we should be thinking about. Yes. Um, And, yeah, again, I'm not all for one way or the other. I just think that informed consent is so important. Um, during this natural approach or the expectant approach, you're watching for signs and symptoms. Is the bleeding increasing? Is there cramping? If you are saturating more than one pad an hour for two to three hours, you need immediate medical attention. Mm -hmm. um, that would be a good time to know like, okay, I need to go in. Um, if you're fainting um, and also, if you're lacking a support system, like, I think that, again, I'm so glad you told people you were yes. pregnant before yes. this happened because we were able to, like, come around you and, like, love on you and you weren't alone. You had people. So, um, you know, if you feel like you need assistance, go and get medical care. Um, if there's excessive bleeding, fever, body aches, chills, like if there's signs of an infection, you definitely need to be talking to a doctor. Um, so all of this <laughs> um, happens. And I know the next question is, well, when can I try and get pregnant again? Mm -hmm. Do you, Did your doctor talk to you about that at all? Or can you walk through that? Um, yeah, I had asked my midwife pretty much right away. Um, after, well, I'd say it was probably about a week after the miscarriage. Um, and I had talked to her and then my, actually my family practice doctor called us, called me on. So Thursday over the weekend, he would have been out of the office and he called me personally himself on Monday morning and just asked me if I had fully miscarried yet, how I was doing, 
Um, and then he brought it up a little bit in that phone call too, of like, you know, this is typically what people, you know, what people want to know, especially like, because we were, we had tried for that child. Um, he recommended waiting to have a cycle. Um, because I mean, I, his thought process was behind that, like behind that was like, well, if anything's left, you know, a cycle will kind of flush it out. But, um, in talking to my midwife, she was like, well, you can try whenever you're ready. Like, she's like, if you're emotionally ready, you can start trying. She's like, your body's not going to let you get pregnant if it's not ready. Um, so, you know, so through that, then it was just my husband and I talked and prayed through it and was like, okay, what are, you know, what are we going to do? And we ultimately decided for us that, um, we were going to start trying right away. I mean, it's kind of like shooting in the dark when you haven't had a cycle mm -hmm. after a miscarriage because you have no idea where your body's at. Um, I like once I had gotten a negative pregnancy test, cause that also took like almost two and a half weeks, which was something, another thing, like I didn't know could happen. Like mm -hmm. I just assumed you miscarried and you got a negative pregnancy test. I had a very strong positive. My line didn't, my, you know, second line didn't start fading out until like about, almost two weeks. And then by two weeks and four days, I had a full negative. Um, but we decided for us that like, we were just going to start trying right away. And ultimately if my body wasn't ready, like we probably wouldn't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I, I have heard the same thing that most uh, midwives like who practice expected management mm -hmm. will say the same thing of try whenever you're emotionally ready and yeah. I think that that's not talked about enough as well so let's kind of close out today's episode by talking about how to support your body um how to support yourself I yeah. guess holistically through this so as I was thinking about it um we really have three different aspects that we need to take care of as a whole person and the first one is, it's just a very emotional process. So yes. how do you support yourself emotionally through, through having a miscarriage? For me personally, I know like talking about it was one of the ways I supported myself emotionally. Um, it was very healing. It still is very healing for me to talk about it because it brings life to that baby. And mm -hmm. in some aspects, like the amount of women through being open and sharing about it, the amount of women who were already in my life who had already experienced a miscarriage blew my mind mm -hmm. because I had no clue. You know, this, some of these women, I had no clue experienced a miscarriage because they walked through it by themselves. And just mm -hmm. the stories that I have got to hear through being willing to share mine is amazing. But it also, you know, is so hard in some aspects because some of them are heartbreaking in the sense of like, they didn't tell anybody for years or, you know, not like other than their husband or their significant other, you know, nobody knew about it for a really, really long time. And like that, I know that every woman has to work through it in their own process, but I do think that there's this like weird stigma mm -hmm. around not talking about it or acting like it didn't happen. It did. It happened. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. And I'm emotionally wrecked and I'm grieving the loss of a child. But that doesn't mean I want to ignore it personally for myself. And I think that there are some women also who who don't want it to be ignored, but they don't want to be the person who's oversharing mm. right like they don't they don't want to be that person who decides to talk about it because I also think because it's not talked about it there's like this element of shame mm -hmm. wrapped around miscarriage when there shouldn't be and that's also where I think you know it ties into a lot of things there's an element of shame which then gets women to start blaming themselves which that you know like it's just this spiral that's all connected to especially among women, like if we could be open with each other and honest and support each other through it, I think it would change the stigma and the dynamic around miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah. Some things that I thought about just emotionally supporting your children or yourself, um, if you've been through miscarriage is listening to music, 
for sure. Like Julie said, telling a friend, um, being open about it. I mean, you don't have to share on a podcast, right? But we hopefully you have people in your life that you are able to just share your story. It is healing just as we share stories of our our birth. Um, this is the birth of a baby that you don't get to keep on this side of, of heaven, but um, it is worth sharing the story um, the same. And then, yeah, making sure that you take time and grieve. That is so, so important. Um, and then the next aspect of supporting your body fully is spiritually, right? So what this looks like is prayer. It's lamenting. Um, if you don't know what lamenting is, go read Psalms where David is lamenting to the Lord about how hard life is, how people are constantly after him, how he feels so far away. Um, so if you're having a hard time lamenting, truly go read the Psalms. Um, also, there is a very special time and and I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly, but when you give birth to a baby, it is a very spiritual event, right? And so whether that is miscarriage or your baby is living, it is one and the same and it is very um, a spiritual thing. So when you can trust that this baby is safe in Jesus' arms, mm -hmm. there is an element of closeness with the Lord and an element of surrender, right? Mm -hmm. That you that you get to experience. And I think this may be a little bit taboo, but as I was thinking about spiritually uh, helping yourself after a miscarriage, it's maybe you need to forgive God. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we don't talk about it because we're afraid of like, well, God is perfect. So how can I forgive him for being perfect? You know, mm -hmm. and but you were disappointed. You feel lot. You you feel like I I know for me I was like, well, where were you? Uh -huh. Like, yeah, kind of saved the baby, yep. you know? Or like, why did you even allow me to get pregnant mm -hmm. in the first place if you if I wasn't even going to be able to carry it full term? Like, there's so many different things, and I think during your lament is when it will come up, and when things that you've been believing about about God and about his goodness will start to formulate. So I think lamenting is the first step mm -hmm. and then forgiving the Lord. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about forgiving God? Yeah. I mean, I do. I agree with that because I remember multiple times just crying after the fact and being like, it's not fair. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not fair. And being mad at God for it, because like, as a believer, like it was like, okay, well, why did he give us this child that he knew we wanted? if he was just going to take it away. And um, so I do think there is an element of like, one, it's okay to be mad at God and to process those emotions, but also then to work through the process of forgiving him and ultimately knowing that like he is in control and he has a bigger plan that we cannot see at that moment and may not see for years to come. And, or may not even know until we get to heaven. But I do also feel like experiencing a miscarriage has given me a different perspective on heaven too. Like mm. it's given me a more heavenly perspective because so you can lose people in your life, you know, grandparents, friends, that kind of thing. But I think when you experience a miscarriage, it's a deeper loss as a parent, right? Because it is your child who you are losing. But I also think through that, like, once I worked through like forgiving God, being angry at God and some of those emotions, like it gives you a more heavenly perspective. And like, it's not just all about, you know, what's going on here on earth. Like now I get to look forward to meeting that child someday and to praising the Lord with it for eternity. And so like, yeah, I, I do feel like that through the miscarriage, it helped give me a more like heavenly perspective. Yeah. Well, that just makes me think of Romans 8, 28, 28. So like all things work together for mm -hmm. the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So even the most 
awful, sad thing can lead to good. Yes. And as a believer, what is, is there a better promise than that? Mm -hmm. Like we have so much to look forward to in heaven and just knowing that we get to see our babies one day is like, wow, amazing. And I just, I wish that, and I hope that if people are listening and have experienced a miscarriage and don't know the Lord, like, please reach out to me and message me and I will be happy to share with you because you can experience joy despite yes. the the loss and the the heartache. So just to end physically supporting your body, that looks like resting. Mm-hmm. And I think we don't do that. We're like, oh, I'm fine. I didn't really yep. have a baby. I don't really go through yep. labor and I don't have anything to show for it. So I got to get back and be normal, you know? Yeah. And I had, I had had somebody I knew experience a miscarriage like a few months prior to me experiencing mine. And I had been telling her like, treat it like a postpartum. Like your body's going through the same things. Like you're still having all those emotions and hormones that are shifting. And like your body like was still growing a baby and lost the baby and you still lost blood. Like you need to treat yourself like you're in a mini postpartum. But then doing that for myself, mm-hmm. once I experienced my own miscarriage was like a very different thing. And I'm a very active person. I love to work out. I'm normally in the gym like five days a week. And I mean, I took 10 days off, but like it was really hard for me to take 10 days off because the gym is also like yeah. where I mentally process it through things, right? That's where like, that is where I have grief through things. It's where I've rejoiced through things like the gym is my therapy. And so like forcing myself to take that time off during obviously a really hard season of loss and losing Mm -hmm. a child was hard. But I also knew like, I needed to give my body rest. And even when I went back to the gym, like for a month, it was like, I listened to my body, Mm -hmm. same as what I would do, like postpartum, I even did, you know, like core and pelvic floor work, Mm -hmm. just like I would postpartum because my body was pregnant and was prepping to have a child and things were shifting and moving already. And so I do agree. I think that a lot of times, and especially in our society, even when we have babies, we don't give ourselves enough rest and women are expected to just bounce back and be right back to normal as fast as possible. And it's like a competition. And I feel like it's even harder when you have a miscarriage because there's no baby. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes it can feel like also people forget in an aspect of like, because there is no physical baby that like, sometimes it's easy to just space off like, oh yeah, their body did just go through that. Or my body did just go through all of that. Like I still experienced night sweats for the first couple of nights, you know, and I ended up having some hair loss. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, thinking about like hydration and nutrition, Mm -hmm. like you've had blood loss, like you do need to make sure you hydrated really well to get your blood supply back up. Um, Nutrition, like making sure you're eating good protein, getting good energy and just how you would treat yourself um, postpartum Mm -hmm. again, like thinking about how to do that, just slowing back into exercise. I'm glad you mentioned the gym. Um, it really can be such a therapeutic place mm-hmm. to go. And so I can understand why that would be hard to take a break mm-hmm. from. Um, but, and then knowing that, okay, once I go back, I am going to listen to my body and my body deserves respect and mm-hmm. space for what it's just been through. I yeah. think there, I mean, we, <laughs> there's a disconnect like, this is just our earth suit, right? I have a friend yes. who's like, this is just my earth suit. <laughs> and then you have your spirit. And I think your spirit wants to do more things yes. because it's capable. Yes. But then giving your body the respect as the temple to treat it well after what it's been through is important. So, yes. um, yeah, sometimes our mind and body aren't always in Connected. alignment. <laughs> and then um, the last thing is just taking the warm baths, like postpartum, um, the herbal baths that is very healing. And it's not just healing for like your perineum, but like your overall well-being. Like you'll just yeah. feel better when you allow yourself to fully relax and just sit um, in silence without a phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just like lean into 
into that. But do you have any last words of advice or wisdom or anything you want to leave a woman with as she's thinking about um, how she would handle it post uh, or handle a miscarriage? I think just like ultimately be kind to yourself. Mm. Like give yourself grace, be kind to yourself, you know, allow yourself to grieve in whatever manner that looks like for you, even if you feel stupid. Like if you start crying randomly when you thought you were fine that day, like it's okay. It's fine. It happens. Or if somebody says something to you that is completely unrelated, you know, that's okay. It's fine. It happens. You know, like I think that oftentimes we just, we have this image in our head of how it should look like and it should all look the same. And it's not because we're individual people. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to look different for every woman who has to walk through it. And if you know somebody who has experienced a miscarriage or is going through one, like just be there for them and hold space for them and love on them. And, you know, whether that means just sitting with them or if they have children, taking kids for Mm -hmm. a few hours so that they can have time, bringing them a meal, door dashing food to them. Like nothing really needs to be said. In my opinion, a lot of times, a lot of times you just need to know that people are there with you in your grief. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's, I'm so happy you came and you chatted with me. If anybody wants to connect with you and maybe talk more, they have a story, I don't know. Would you um, tell them how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, um, I I have Instagram or Facebook, which Facebook would be Julia Elliott. And then my Instagram, I think you could probably find me under Julia Elliott. Otherwise, it's jewel underscore bug 90 underscore 95, I believe. Um, But or you could always reach out to Allie if you wanted to talk to me. She has my contact info. But um, yeah, I'm definitely here for anybody who wants to talk because our stories deserve to be told, even if they didn't end in the way we wanted them to. Mm. Oh, that's powerful. (laughs) I think that'll be the title. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you again for coming on. Absolutely. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.